Working Class Audio is brought to you by Universal Audio, Audio Technica, Loudon Audio, Focal Monitors, and Gearsluts.com. This is the Working Class Audio Podcast, Session 130. Working Class Audio, navigating the world of recording with a working class perspective. Here's your host, Matt Boudreaux. Uh, thanks, Chuck. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Working Class Audio Podcast. This is session number 130 you're listening to. My guest today is Andy Reed from Reed Recording Company, which is located in Bay City, Michigan. Where's Bay City, Michigan? Okay, I'm going to do something with you. I want you to pick up your right hand. Not, I'm, You know what I mean, not pick up your right hand, but bring your right hand up. Make a mitt where you put all four fingers together and you let your thumb stick out a little bit. And you're making essentially the state of Michigan. Bay City, when located on the mitt, is where if you take to the right of your index finger, if you slide all the way down until you get to that little part where it's just about to swing back up your thumb in that little crease there, that's where Bay City is. And where I usually go on the mitt when I'm traveling to Michigan, typically, if you cross straight over the thumb, to the right-hand side of the thumb, just below where the thumb ends, is Dearborn, Michigan. That's where I usually go. So if you're um, out in the rest of the world and you're uh, sitting there listening to me and you're making the mitt and you're not familiar with Michigan and you're not familiar with you know the Midwest, well, now you know. You can make a mitt with your hand. And when somebody says, where are you on the mitt, you can point. And there you are on the mitt. So Andy is running a studio out of his basement in uh, Michigan. And he's not only recording other bands, but he's also recording himself. Very talented guy. He's one of these guys that I am so jealous of because it appears that he plays guitar, bass, and drums and can record himself really well. And I've listened to some of the recordings he's done, and I have questions for him, I have to admit. So I'll get those questions answered shortly here as we come up to the interview. So Andy Reid coming up here on the Working Class Audio podcast. A little bit different day today. I'm, it's, it's like in the middle of the day on a, uh, what is it? Uh, it's, a, it's a Wednesday rather than a Saturday night. So last episode, if you listened, on 129, I was at the end of a very long day, birthday parties for, you know, birthday party, and uh, birthday party or birthday celebration for my wife the next day. And yeah, I was tired. I was drinking beer, sitting here doing the podcast late at night. Well, it's the middle of the afternoon and I'm drinking coffee from our friend Pete Droge, which I think I mistakenly called the coffee the, the Droge Summers Blend, but I think it's the Droge and Summers Blend because that's uh, a songwriting uh, friend of his. So um, yeah, so Pete, thanks for the coffee. I'm getting thoroughly caffeinated here. Mm. Okay, so a while back, I used to talk a lot more about this on the podcast. I would talk about services and things that we all use. And this is not a phone commercial for you, but we're going to talk about cell phones right now. There's kind of a new trend. Well, it's not that new, really. There's a, a trend emerging because more companies are doing it. And it's this concept where you have a phone, but instead of using the data or relying exclusively on the data to run over the cell network, the phone has the ability to switch back and forth between cell and Wi-Fi. 
because you know typically where wherever you're at whether you're at a coffee shop or a studio or your house there's probably a wi-fi network and it started i think with republic wireless and republic is a, a service that i was using for a while for a good long while uh, that i learned about through the blog known as mr money mustache if you ever are financially remotely curious about retiring early go to mr money mustache and check out his blog that's where i learned about republic that basically used this concept of sell and Wi-Fi, so you would typically pay a low amount per month, and then you would be allocated about a, a gig of data. I know that's not a lot, but the majority of the data that you use would go over the Wi-Fi, right? You get it? So, and if you didn't use up uh, the full gig on the cell, then they would refund you. So my bills were much less than my traditional T-Mobile and Sprint bills of the past. So I tried that out, it worked service was it was okay i'm in kind of a little bit of a valley here so cell service was kind of crappy wi-fi service worked pretty great but anyways long story short i have switched i'm now trying this google fi service had to buy a new phone bought a 250 dollars phone uh, whereas republic was using sprint's cell network google is using sprint and t-mobile cell networks when it's on the cell on what they call the Fi network. And that kind of, you know, you can hedge your bets there. You can, you know, if one's not working very well, then you jump on the other one. It does this all automatically, of course. My bill has gone up though. It's a little more expensive, but the cool thing is, is the calls when they come in, when I'm at home, not only do they come in over the phone, but they ring my computer. And the same setup that I'm sitting here recording this on with my AT headphones, my AT BP40, I can actually put those on hooked up to my universal audio Apollo and have phone conversations. And the, the bonus of that is, is the, this computer is connected to uh, our router via ethernet. So the delay in the conversation is not as bad as it would be over Wi-Fi. So I encourage you to check this out. Apparently Comcast is going to be doing this with their Xfinity cell service because you know, wherever you go, there's, Generally, at least in California, there's an Xfinity Wi-Fi network out there. So something to consider if you're tired of the old, you know, Verizon, Sprint, T-Mobile. If you want to try something new, check this out. Google does it. Republic Wireless does it. And soon Comcast will be doing it. And it's, you know, it's got each one has its pros and its cons, but it's pretty cool. And if you want to have a lower monthly bill overall, you know, I pay about 25, 30 bucks a month. And with Republic Wireless, I was paying like, oh, I don't know, 15 after the, the rebate. So check it out. I, it's something that I would encourage you to look into. If you're trying to like kind of whittle down your, your expenses and lowering your cell phone bill from like, you know, when I was on T-Mobile, I was paying like $80 a month and then $50 a month. And the service always kind of sucked just because of where I was. Now, it may work great for you, but anyhow, let's have some more coffee. Mm. Okay, what else? Uh, once again, let's talk about Summer Nam. So I'm going to be out in Nashville from, looks like July 11th is when I get there. And I'll be there till July 16th. So if you are a WCA listener, I'll be out and about, be hanging out with uh, multitudes of audio people that I know there. I'm actually going to be staying with uh, our brother from another podcast. I'm talking about Lid Shaw from Recording Studio Rockstars. 
Lidge and I are going to be joined by a bunch of our other audio YouTube and blogging friends. And we're going to, hopefully we're going to do something together that is going to be featured on each of our different channels and podcasts and blogs and all that. So I'll let you know more about that when it happens. But uh, yeah, so if you're at Nashville NAM or Summer NAM as, as it's uh, appropriately called, when you see me, come by, come up, say hello. Let's, we could drink coffee and chat for a bit, depending on what I'm doing. And uh, yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be out there. I look forward to it. I'm trying to set up a, a batch of in-person interviews with some folks out there that I have yet to talk to. If you have any suggestions for people I should talk to in Nashville, please feel free to, of course, email me with those suggestions. Uh, Matt at workingclassaudio.com. You can always, um, even though I give out the email address all the time, it seems that people really love sending me messages through the uh, Facebook page for Working Class Audio. That's totally cool. That really works as well because I'm, you know, it's on my phone. I see it. I respond. There it is. It's done. So, uh, yeah, send your suggestions to me and uh, look forward to hearing what those suggestions could be. You know, over time as I do these episodes, and it's just truly amazing that we're up to number 130, little sayings really start to stick around after certain guests have, have come and gone. And those sayings I, I think about on a daily basis in my own world and what I'm doing. And some of those phrases, I think one of the earlier ones was don't be a dick, of course, from Andrew Sheps. And I love that one. But recently on the Mike Wells interview, which was number uh, WCA number 113, Mike Wells was really talking about something where he was saying, you know, whenever he's dealing with things, uh, some things you don't always want to do, but it amounted to short-term pain, long-term gain, rather than short-term gain, long-term, long-term pain. So <laughs> I know it's confusing. Short-term pain gets you long-term gain. Short-term gain gets you long-term pain. That was very confusing. Anyhow, I love that. And uh, that always pertains to uh, when I get paid. And rather than pay quarterly taxes, I just take a little chunk of the money that I make and I pay the IRS for that year so that I don't get a nasty bill when I uh, meet up with my accountant at the end of the year. That's a good one. Also, the one that is really sticking with me lately is uh, from WCA number 128. And I'm talking about Frank Papillardo. Uh He had a phrase where he said when he was mixing and he was dealing with things that, you know, like if he had like 128 tracks of, of something to mix or something like that, he talked about eating his frogs, meaning, meaning that he would do the hard stuff first. Eating the frogs was like, you know, Getting that, that was the short-term pain, essentially, of, of Mike Wells's phrase, eating your frogs. I always think about that when I'm making the bed in the morning. And I know it sounds crazy, but, you know, I do this every morning almost like I'm in the military, never been in the military. But making my bed in the morning, I'm like, oh, my God, this is a pain in the ass. I wish I could just, I should just leave this bed unmade. But I think of Frank and I say, I'm eating my frogs right now. Just make the bed and shut up and move on. And I do that. And uh, it's just nice because, you know, it's made all day. It's done. It's ready for me when I'm going to bed at night. And I know. Anyhow, I'm running on a rant here. So uh, those are some of the sayings coming off of some of the shows. I encourage you to go back through the archive. There's a, like I say, now there's 130 shows you can go back through and uh, listen and pick up some of those things. So I'd appreciate it if you do that. 
And of course, before we get into our interview with Andy Reid, I do want to make sure that you do know that our friends over at Universal Audio are doing what's called the Apollo Rack Dream Studio uh, giveaway. It's the new promo where uh, they're giving away plugins, uh, more plugins than you normally get uh, with the with the purchase of uh, any of the Apollo uh, interfaces, whether it's a, an Apollo 8 Duo or an Apollo Firewire or Apollo 8 Quad, whatever. If you're buying an Apollo or a couple Apollos, you need to make sure to head over to uaudio.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, look for the Apollo Rack Dream Studio promo, and do that uh, before June 30th because that's when it ends and you want to take advantage of that. And, of course, there's nothing like getting it the day after and then uh, not being able to take advantage of that. So go ahead and check that out at uaudio.com. Well, let's get into it. Let's talk to Andy Reid here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You'll hear it in my monologue. I was talking about how you're one of those guys I'm very envious of because you can play a lot of different instruments. And not only that, you can record them really well. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. I don't know. I'm, I'm a very good editor. That's that's my secret. <laughs> so, Is that it? No. I mean, I, I'm, I'm mainly a guitarist and a bass player. I'll dabble in drums and um, keys a little bit, but mostly guitar and bass. That that's my those are my two main instruments. But there's a lot of great musicians that I'll hire to do drums and keys if I if I need something complex. So I can fake it. The easy stuff on drums and keys, but but anything um, anything that has a few more voicings or something, I gotta call a pro. So you're based in Bay City, Michigan. You are set up in your basement. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. And you don't just have like a little setup with like a converter and a laptop and some speakers. You actually have quite a, a, a large setup and it appears that you also have, I'm just kind of diving a little bit into your gear here. You have an analog tape machine. It looks like it's either a, uh, it looks like a Mara machines or an old, um, MCI. Yeah, yeah, it's an MCI. It it needs a little love right now, so it's actually not working. So uh, that's saddens me, but uh, it does it does need a couple things and a little bit of maintenance. And actually, I do need to. Chris is great, uh, Chris Mara. So I do need to set up a Skype session with him to kind of get it fixed. So that's coming soon. And you also have a family. You have a four year old daughter. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's correct. Tell me about working out of your home uh, in this capacity with having clients over and all of the things that come with that. That's a good one because it's really taken me a long time to kind of figure it out and get it to a place that feels good. And also it's that balancing that family work life as well. And it makes it very difficult having your work basically down the steps. So I generally try to keep a Monday through Saturday schedule like 10 to 4 p.m. We do send my daughter to daycare just and my wife goes to work. So uh, Monday through Fridays, there's no one here. It's just it's just me and, and the artist. So that's easy. Saturdays are hilarious because she loves to come down <laughs> probably every hour or so and say hi to whoever's here. I'm very, very, very fortunate to have the coolest clients on the planet who engage her and invite her down and let her sit down here and do whatever. So I quit doing evenings a long time ago, even before I had a kid. 
because a lot of the people that I record are working nine to five. So when they would come over after work, they would already be fried from working an eight hour workday, you know? So we weren't getting a lot done and, and I could just tell they were burned out. So I tried to say, you know, I, I talked everybody into maybe going, well, why don't you, you know, either call me on your vacation days or we'll schedule it like that. Or if you want to take an off day and we'll just start fresh in the morning, 10 o'clock, you can sleep in a little bit. And ever since I did that, productivity has been awesome. I mean, everybody comes in ready to go. They've had their coffee and doing a six hour block like that. we just burn through it. Sometimes we'll take a lunch or whatever, but you know, I try to give them more bang for their buck, you know, and try to work fast so they can save more money and we can get more done in a, in a smaller chunk of time. And after six hours, I'm toasted too. So I can't do those long marathon sessions. So we, we've uh, been sticking to that. So as far as the, you know, family balance, it's been great. I get out at four o'clock, I go pick up my daughter at daycare. And then when she goes to bed, and my wife goes to bed at night, I'll do some odds and ends down here and maybe do some editing or some cleanup and stuff like that. So that's about it. You know, they're just trying to find that balance. And I think it, I'm going to be shifting it around as long as I do it because there's always variables that come into play. So, but that's where it is right now. <laughs> well, what do you do in the cases of when your daughter's sick or, you know, ha has to come home early from daycare? You know, we used to get the calls from the preschool or the daycare. It's like there was this very uh, paranoid woman who was convinced that any amount of sneezing and or coughing from any of the kids was pink eye. And she would always call up and say, I think your baby's got pink eye. Oh, no. And it was always like, okay, does our kid really have pink eye? And one time that was true, and every other time it was never true. Yeah, we, we usually split it up, my wife and I. It depends on who I have in. Uh, luckily, most of the artists I work with are repeat business, so there, a lot of them are working on their second and third album, so they kind of know the, the drill. So if I have to say, hey, I'll make up for this on another day, I'll give you a couple free hours if I can cancel the rest of the day and so I can go get my daughter, or if my wife is available to pick her up and then bring her home and then just, you know, be with her upstairs while we work downstairs. So that's how we do it. We just kind of do like a 50-50 thing. If it's someone from out of town in, that's obviously a lot harder. I'll call. My Actually, we're in a great situation where we have both sets of grandparents, too, in Bay City. So that's that's another option as well. My mom my mom, or, or my wife's mother can, can go get her, and, and that helps out a lot. So And they're both semi-retired and stuff, too, so that works really great. Oh, yeah. That is <laughs> having, having both sets of uh, grandparents nearby, that's, that's magical. My wife and I have spent our entire lives, you know, not our entire lives, but we've spent our child years without any support like that around. So it was always just us and whatever situation we could piece together. That's a great position to be in. Extremely lucky. And that, and that's one of the main reasons we really, you know, set up shop in Bay City and I've stayed here. Also, there's kind of a budding music scene around here, which is great as well. So I've been lucky to be one of the only games in town as far as studios go. So I kind of lucked out there too. <laughs> well, let's talk about that because you do have this in your home and I don't know about you, but I've, for the most part, for most of my career, I have had cool clients, but there has been a couple moments, like I had this um, very dark 
uh, and they and dark metal band, but they didn't even dress like they were in a dark metal band, which was really deceiving. And then the singer was like, I don't know, man. I I he had kind of a Charles Manson vibe about him. He was creepy. Oh boy. And I was <laughs> I was a little intimidated. I gotta be honest. And I thought that that was it when I had a studio in San Francisco. That band yeah. I would never have in my home. <laughs> So how well, do you weed through I, uh, those guys? Uh, Pre-production meetings, the first thing I do, you know, I'll say, let's go for a beer and let's talk about the record you want to make. Because I always say for them, choosing the right studio is extremely important. I might not, not be the right guy for your music and, and vice versa. It's like, you know, everybody has their expertise and for me, it's definitely got to be something I'm going to put my heart into or or I won't take the gig. And I just don't think that's fair to them as well because, you know, I'm not giving them 100, 100%. So that's basically what I'll do. And it hasn't ever been an issue. There's only been a couple times where there's been a couple shady friends hanging around and stuff like that. And, you know, usually the musicians are apologizing for them. So it's worked out pretty good thus far. I've been pretty fortunate and it's been, you know, roughly 11 years. So been uh, pretty oh, lucky wow. there as well. Okay. Okay. How have you gotten your work over the years? Word of mouth? Pretty much. I, I started as a musician in... I want to say like the mid to late 90s, and I grew up in Bay City. I lived in New Mexico as a kid a little bit, but uh, but I've been here most of my life. And I started as a musician uh, in the late 90s or so, playing in bands around here. I always kind of played in original bands, which was great. So then you'd be on a bill with three other original bands, which was a lot of fun. And you travel some of the, the big areas that we would play because we're kind of centrally located in the middle of Michigan. You know, we'd hit Lansing, we'd hit Detroit really hard and Grand Rapids. And then of course the Bay city Saginaw area, those were like the four target areas we'd, we'd, we'd hit. So just building up friendships with other bands and band members, you know, setting up shows, doing show swaps. I, I've just created this really great network of friends over the years. So when it came time, actually, I, I never really intended to do this job. It, it's kind of a weird thing. I kind of got into this to just kind of record myself and just save money from going into the studio. But, you know, I'd put out a record and then I had, I'd have a buddy say, hey, you know, your record, I really like the way it sounds. Would you want to do mine? I'm like, sure. And he's like, well, how much do do you want to charge me i'm like oh you're gonna pay me <laughs> you know <laughs> so you know it, it it that's it and then it just snowballed from that it, it's the weirdest thing and before i knew it it was a four or five day a week thing and it was it's just been all been word of mouth so every pretty much every artist or client that i get is a reference from another artist or they heard something that I've recorded and and that's been it. What I gather is is that you were friends with uh, Donnie Brown from the Verve Pipe and you later joined the Verve Pipe for a period of time. Yeah, they're a Michigan band and he's actually from Saginaw, which is right by Bay City. So we had met Right around the time they had kind of blew up with the freshman, I think it was like 97 or 98. And at that time, I was just kind of getting going as a songwriter. I wasn't barely, you know, I had a four track at that time. And, you know, he was gracious enough to listen to him. And he heard a little bit of potential there. He's like, hey, you like the Beatles, you know, you like XTC, things like that. So we kind of became buddies. 
And as the band went went on in the mid two thousands, I was like the fill in guy. So if like the bass player couldn't make a gig, I'd I'd fill in at a gig here and there. And then I got a call like the day before a tour, and they're like, "Hey, our guy can't go. Can you do this two week tour?" I'm like, "You know, well, let me call a few." people but I, I should be able to do it and then roughly about a month later I got the full-time gig so it was pretty easy to hop into and that was around 2009 2010 and then I played for about four years we did a couple kids kids records it was really great because at the time we, they were doing rock shows and kids shows so we we had done a couple uh, kids records which were a blast you could just act, act goofy and be silly and they were a lot of fun and then right after we had our daughter I gave it a shot for about four months, uh, traveling a little bit here and there. And I got home after being in uh, Austin, and I just looked at my wife, and I'm like, I just don't want to miss anything else. The studio's doing well enough that I can just, I can just do this, and I really enjoy doing this. I was kind of miserable uh, being away from home at the time, so it's not something I needed to do financially because the studio had already kind of been to a point where it was pretty steady. So uh, I just decided to leave. And, you know, being hopping on later in the band, you know, I was more of a hired gun. I didn't have a lot of stock in the band. So it was kind of like an easy, thank you guys so much for the opportunity. I had a blast and everybody was very gracious and said, you know, thank you. And and so it was great. I'm just kind of jumping around here. I watched all the videos on your website and listening to the music that's on there, your production style on the stuff that you record out of your home, the first thing that hit me, I was like, wow, this is super, super lush. Jeez, what kind of reverb is that he's using? That's really cool. And, and I know that's like, you know, a total geek thing to say, but I got to ask you, what kind of reverb is that you're using? Uh, I bounce around. I think the the Legal Matters stuff, that's a band I'm in now, it's, it's mainly a recording project. We're Beach Boy junkies. So we're, of course, going to cake it on my favorite setting on the alti verb is the um geez i can't think of it let me pull it up <laughs> I don't so, know what so, it is. It's, so it's alti verb yeah yeah it's one of the settings i think it's a chamber it might be even be like the united or the ocean way uh ch echo chamber or something mm. it's in it it's either that or i really like the uad uh emt 140 plate yeah that's my I mean, that's a that's great yeah so those are the two biggies i think and you know you've seen you know you've seen pictures of my room or lack there of my room it's very small it's very dry so any kind of uh, ambience i have to add in post so e even like drum rooms I'll, I'll set up like one room mic and compress the snot out of it to kind of give myself a little more natural room and then I'll have to add with, with Altiverb, I'll have to use like the Allaire Neve room or something, which it sounds awesome. It's like, why would I want to, you know, why would I want my drums to sound like my basement when I have all these awesome studios? I know it's not the real thing, but in the grand scheme of things, if you just bleed it in a little bit, it gives it gives your kit a little bit of uh, air around it, which which really helps with everything being so dry. I want to encourage the listeners to go to uh, readrecordingcompany.com and head over to, on the left-hand side, you can navigate to video. Watch these videos and uh, listen to these tracks. It's really cool. I'm, I was I was very taken by it. I really enjoyed it. Andy Reid here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. This is our sponsor break time, of course, with our friends over at Audio-Technica. And I'm going to rant and rave about my favorite headphones from them, the, the uh, ATH M40Xs. 
which right before I started to record the podcast today, I just kind of casually threw them over to the little hanger on the mic stand and they just crashed to the floor. And I think, did I break them? No, I didn't actually. Every time I do that and they hit the floor, I think, oh crap. Oh, but I didn't break them because they are super durable. They sound really great. And I really rely on them a lot because they just, they don't have this hyped bottom end. The mid-range is very revealing for what they, uh, very revealing for a pair of headphones. So I really enjoy them and I really encourage you to check them out as well. I know that they're not the top of the line. Some people like the ATH-M40 uh, or M50Xs. There's other ones, many other headphones from Audio-Technica out there, but my favorites just hands down for the price, for what you, the, the sound quality and the build quality, ATH-M40X, I would uh, encourage you to go and pick yourself up a pair because they're under a hundred bucks. And if you want, you can actually buy them right off of audio-technica.com. Or of course you can go online and shop and probably get a really good price too, but fantastic headphones. So have a look, have a listen, try them out. Let's get back into it here. Andy Reed here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. This is your main business. There's nothing else that you're doing or are you, or are you doing other things? Nope, this is it. I mean, the recording... I've always kind of had my feet in a few areas of of music. You know, I used to play a lot. I don't I don't gig very much anymore. I have done some composition work for. I did some music for like a PBS television documentary kind of thing last year. So I definitely try to keep my feet in a few different things just to kind of more or less for me to just just keep interested and keep busy. But the studio does. You know, it's it's six days a week full on, and it's been about, you know, three, four years since I've had a day off. So I've been very lucky to have such a full schedule and have people come in. So it's really nice because a lot of the people that I work with, they'll do about two days a month, and then at the end of the year, their record's done. And then they're like, okay, I want to start on the next record. So they'll do, like, their two dates a month. So... It's really great because you, you, you every day is is broken up. I rarely, rarely have those recording sessions where they block like two weeks. Once in a while, it'll happen, but mostly it's it's one or two days a month, and we chip away at their records, and and by the end of the year they're done, and you know they move on to the next one. So it's 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 a cool way to do it. We really I try to get people to if they book like a day or two. I really try to get them to focus on like one or two songs so we can complete them and have that instant gratification of having mm -hmm. like a finished track. And I'm usually able to talk to everybody about doing it that way. And I think, I think it's a lot more fun when you're just engulfed in the one song and everybody's into it and we're just working on it. So that's, that's probably 80 to 90% of the way people do it here. So I, I'm really blown away. I mean, you're literally working six days a week. Yep, yep. Wow. Okay. And are those people who are coming to you from within Bay City or are they coming from the surrounding area? Uh, definitely the surrounding areas. Uh, Midland, they call it the Tri-Cities, Midland, Saginaw, and Bay City. And I can, I'll talk to you about a little bit about kind of like this weird little music scene we have because it's become kind of a, of a, of a great family type deal. The thing that blows me away the most is the songwriting. Obviously, that's always the most important aspect of recording. And for some reason, I don't know if it's something in the water, the chemicals in the water, but um, there's a lot of really great songwriters around here. And, you know, a lot of music scenes 
are like one type of music where it's like, you know, a punk rock scene or, or, or whatever. Every single artist around here or band is different, like completely different. And it's really, really great. And, but it still is all based around like decent songs. And now after doing the studio for a long time, everybody's playing on each other's records and it's just become this, it's like, okay, who's coming in today? Well, it's, it's Roscoe's song, but he's got Scotty coming in to play, you know, it's just this weird family vibe and everybody's on the same team. It's not a competition at all. It's just this giant, creative, awesome thing. And I'm very proud of the fact that I think the studio has brought a lot of these people together. And, and that's been a, that's been the most surprising part about this job that I never anticipated, but it's, it's, it's a great thing. So now everybody's just working together to make music, which is what, what more do you want? <laughs> Interesting. And so the combination of these, all these different bands and musicians from the surrounding area is really making up the bulk of each week for you. Correct. Yeah. Yep. And I get a little bit of Detroit business and uh, Flint and then Lansing, but there's also the aspect of mixing records and mastering as well. I do a lot of mastering for um, vinyl label out of the UK called Sugarbush Records. Mm -hmm. So I get a lot of mastering gigs from them and I'll get the, you know, once a month or so, I'll get, I'll get a couple songs to mix from artists out of the area that maybe liked the Legal Matters record or something. And you know, you know how that goes now. It's like, you don't even have to meet them. You just get the files uploaded to you and then you talk to them on the phone and ask them what they want. And then you, and then you go. So I, that, that fills the gaps a little bit, but mainly, yeah, mainly it's, it's uh, artists from the area and the surrounding area. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool. How did you get the, uh, the mastering for vinyl gig? That was through, uh, my band, the legal matters. The, you know, we're like the, the bastard children of like Beach Boy and Beatles and Big Star and that kind of thing. So the music that I've always written and been a part of is, has definitely fallen into the power pop genre. So the Sugarbush Records label is a power pop label. So, you know, he's heard a couple records that, that I had done. And, you know, I'm helping him out with a good price in exchange for some records and stuff, too. So it's it's kind of one of those things where it's just a good rela working relationship. But, uh, yeah, that's basically it. He's just uh, he's putting out some incredible albums, and I've bought a lot of them before I even met the guy. So it's cool to be a part of, uh, a part of his thing. Cost of living in Bay City, I assume, is quite good. It's extremely great. <laughs> <laughs> yep. When you have a good cost of living and, and you're working out of your home, I assume that you can be really competitive price-wise for people. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's been the cool thing. I mean, being a musician, too, I know what they feel like. I know what it feels like to be on the other side of the microphone. And, you know, sometimes you see these bands that are really good, and then at the end of the session, everybody's reaching into their pockets like, okay, I got a 20, okay, I got a 5, you know, that kind of thing. And I really would rather keep my my prices down and have the band spend more time making a better record, you know? And also it's given me a great opportunity to buy some decent gear and um, kind of try to up my game as well. So I, I, I'm trying to ride that line of, of, uh, you know, also having a child that that's put a little bit of a damper on the gear buying, but not, not too bad. So 
just kind of balancing it out and keeping keeping the prices down so it maintain it it can be affordable for everybody. It's uh yeah, it's it feels good to not have to charge an arm and a leg for sure. Do you have an approach to your finances that is working for you or is it just kind of making it up as you go along? It's definitely been a making it up as I go along. I'll try to add a piece every a piece of gear, a microphone every 3-4 months and just kind of chip away at it. Uh I rarely will charge anything, but I did buy myself a 40th birthday present and I did charge it a couple a few days ago. But most of the time it, it I'll save up and what you can make a record on now is it's pretty crazy, you know, just like a good a good preamp, a good one good microphone, you know, there it's 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 insane how little you you actually do need. Uh anything I buy from this point on is more or less for me <laughs> to have fun with. So it's toned down a lot and I try to make sure if if I do buy, buy something new, it's going to be something I, I'll ask myself, is this something I'm going to use every week? And if it isn't, then then I won't get it. But if it's something that I think I'll use every week or every every few days, then 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 it's worth having. What about your finances? Like, do you and your wife work together in any capacity or is that also kind of a making it up as you go along? We keep our our separate accounts but we definitely split up our share of the bill so we we kind of do it that way and if i have a a, a really good month or and i have a little bit left over that's kind of like my gear money or whatever so we just kind of take care of our own individual financial responsibilities and we also save up a little bit here and there you know if we if we want to plan a vacation or something like that so we we work together but we definitely have our own thing going on as well so it, it that's pretty cool because you know she'll see a box come in and sh- and she'll be like I don't even want to know how much it is <laughs> and then she's kind of she's really figured out the fact that it the smaller the box the more expensive it probably is <laughs> so she's getting getting wise to that but uh, no she's oh gosh I can't even tell you how awesome she is with the whole deal you know she she trusts me enough to make the right choices i've never gotten myself into any financial trouble with with buying gear and for the most part they've been pretty good decisions on the right pieces I, there's been stuff that i bought and i've i've sold within the year just cuz it wasn't you know what i was looking for or whatever but i've been i've been pretty good about that i think i rarely meet married couples who keep their finances separate there there's always like a you know a combined bank account and when I tell people, oh, yeah, my wife and I keep our money separate, they're always like, really? How did you do that? How did you pull that one off? I'm like, uh, I don't know. I didn't know we were supposed to. Yeah. Well, they were separate before we met, right? <laughs> exactly. Do you do any kind of marketing for your studio or for your services? Not so much. Like we talked about before, it's it's generally been word of mouth, and, and it's actually come to a spot where I've had to turn down a little bit more business because I'm booked a couple months in advance generally. And uh, if I really take on a new artist or a new client, it's really got to be something that, because I really want to take care of the people that have kind of taken care of me, you know? So I have, I have some people working on their, their fourth or fifth albums and they help me build this. So they are a priority for me. So they're always going to have a spot and so anything new coming in, I really got to make sure that it's something I'm going to be into and work into the fold because everybody just, like I said, kind of keeps coming back, which is which is fantastic and it's awesome. 
to see you know these artists actually growing as well a- as I've developed my skill set for recording and, and production. You know they've developed as as recording artists as well. So it, you can really, if you listen back to these records in order, you can hear a learning curve, and and it's actually pretty great. You know to to go back and listen to some of the early stuff, and there's like an energy there, and but so. It's uh yeah no marketing at all really just the 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 bands and the artists kind of do it for me for me you know they'll if they release an oh, yeah. album on Facebook they'll they'll tag Reed Recording Company or or they'll tag me in in their thing and and that's been you know the best advertising I could ask for. What is really interesting about you from from my perspective. And I say this as the perspective of we'll just and I and I say it with you know kind of in a self-deprecating manner is I'm just a drummer, as a <laughs> as a musician. So when you have somebody I think like yourself who's got strong songwriting ability and the ability to play multiple instruments, I think you bring a strength to the table that not a lot of others do that specialize in only one instrument because. You know, I know I know some great guitar players who cannot play drums to save their life. I know some fantastic bass players who can not play drums to save their life. I goof around on the guitar and the bass, but I would never do it publicly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it, it, it's funny you say that because the majority of the artists that I do get are singer-songwriter types. So we'll sit down at the beginning of the session, or actually we, we, we probably have shared demos and talked about the demos already but a lot of it starts with an acoustic guitar and a vocal and they're like you know i want the works i want i want whatever you know we'll talk about their influences and stuff i would i really like to make it an experience for them that you know not just like the the actual finished song i want them to enjoy the process so we'll talk about like they might say i really like the drum sound on this Wilco record, or I really like the bass sound on that. And I'm like, okay, well, let's try it. You know, let's, 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 you know, let's dive into this stuff. And, you know, they're living their heroes kind of dreams, you know, because they're, they're, we're trying to emulate this thing. I mean, why do we get into music to begin with? You know, we're just trying to emulate our heroes, you know, that we want, I wanted to be Paul McCartney, you know, and I still do. But uh, <laughs> the whole thing is th- you know, we start with uh, the song and we'll, we'll work on an arrangement and then we'll just build it from scratch. And that is the majority, uh, I would say, I don't know, I want to say the majority, but a lot of the artists that I have are singer-songwriter types that want the work. So we'll we'll build it from, you know, an acoustic guitar and a vocal up. I really like co-producing. I don't really like saying, okay, this is going to be this way, this is going to be this way. I really like to get the artist involved and I want to hear what they really want, you know, and, and try to and try to get it there. So it, maybe it's because I am I'm, I'm, I am a songwriter, too. And, and the people that I've worked with early on kind of took that approach as well. The first record I made was uh, with a guy named Brendan Benson. He's a member of the Rack and Tours, but he used to live in Detroit. He had a great home studio about a mile away from Hitsville, USA, from the Motown Museum. He was great. He He really picked our brains and he made it so much fun because we're, you know, we're putting the tape on backwards and, you know, doing, you know, the I'm only sleeping guitar solo thing. And it's like, oh, how, what a way to fall in love with record making, you know? And I really want that too. And I always use this goofy analogy. 
but but it tends to work. It's like you don't you don't go golfing to say you shot a seventy nine. You go for that four or five hours of enjoying yourself out, outdoors and and being with your buddies. And I try to get people to tune into that right away, so they're not just like trying to get their part down. I'm like, guys, live in the moment. Let's get creative. Let's let's have fun with this and enjoy this part of it because this is the part that's that this is the most fun, you know. And of course, the the end result will sound that much better because you know they had a good time making that record you know so i really try to sell it like that and when we're building a song that has no preconceived thing you know it doesn't have a band playing it already it's just a it's just chords and a and a melody we can do whatever we want which is really cool i'm curious about the the correlation between keeping your overhead low and not being financially desperate and how that directly affects the record-making process. You, you know, we had talked earlier about people maybe doing two, three days a month. So I really just try to settle up at the end of the day, if, if possible, or at the end of the two-day session or whatever we're doing. That has, uh, it's always kind of kept the weird weirdness out of it. Everybody's always up to date. And it's just been, and, and like I said, it's not, and it also it's not a substantial amount of money. So if we let, you know, four or five days build up then they owe you a bigger chunk than if you just kind of chip away at it uh, a day at a time and they just kind of settle up at the end of the day it makes it seem less expensive as well and it, and it's not like a great deal of money but it's enough to where a band would have to save up and and schedule it and i think that's why a lot of people do it you know two days a month or three days a month and then th they can balance their personal budget to record their record at whatever pace they want to record it at. So I just try to keep up to date with everybody so there's nothing looming because in the end, I've really become friends. I can pretty much say that everyone I record now, I would consider a friend. And then you have that that weirdness there. It's like, okay, they owe me a lot of money, blah, 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 blah. So it's never gotten to that point. Man, well, it has a couple a couple situations a while ago, but... Ever since I just tried to have people settle up at the end of the day or at the end of the week, there's been very little problems with it. And it, and it helps me out because then I have a steady stream of income that I can kind of count on uh, paying my bills and blah, blah, blah at the, at the right time. And like you said, too, the, the work having six days scheduled a week is cool, too. So if someone has... Uh, you know, life happens. So if someone's like, man, I, I couldn't, you know, my kid's sick or whatever. It's like, man, take the day off. I'll, I'll work on a mastering job or I'll just work on my own music or whatever. Don't stress about it. So it's very, very, very laid back. And they understand the same way if I have to work, you know, if I have to cancel a date because of something, an illness or whatever, uh, having that relationship as friends as well helps that tremendously. So let me ask you something and play devil's advocate. I figured that you don't encounter this, but I want to ask you what's going to happen if you do. Are you prepared in the event somebody trips in your home and hits their head on something and, and has to go to the hospital and then they say, oh man, I lost a week of work or a couple of weeks of work because of that. I, I'm going to sue. That's liability insurance. I'm all set. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you are? Good for you. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's an important one for sure. And and I have a um, there's a great online. I think it's called Music Pro Insurance. And 
all my gear is through that as well. Now, I live probably a half a mile from the Saginaw River. And for some reason, my homeowner's insurance does, they were not in a floodplain or whatever. I don't know. So if, if my basement, well, I'm in a basement, right? So if my basement floods, it's, I'm shit out of luck, right? So thankfully, this extra policy, uh, Music Pro Insurance, I have all my gear itemized and I insure it every year. They're great. I've only, I've already had one claim and they were awesome with it. So I really am very, nervous about being well protected you know have an alarm system and all that stuff too i'm not worried about it but i just have it just in case so i i I, i'm kind of one of those people that would worry about that and i I wouldn't go to sleep because it would just be in the back of my head like okay dad you know so now that there's clouds and all that stuff it's like i can sleep so much better at night okay so music pro insurance has you itemize everything and then they base your coverage on the amount of that itemized list right yeah 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 so it's just a policy you can cover software you can cover gear equipment if it breaks during a gig if it's uh you know uh, if someone knocks over a microphone in your house and destroys it if my basement floods all that stuff it, it's okay. it's uh it, it's pretty cool okay because the the guy that i've usually mentioned on the show joe monterello i think his is more of a blanket policy because if you're with joe's deal you you just you don't write an itemized list. You just declare a certain amount of coverage that you expect and you pay for it. So anyways, that's, that is interesting, but uh, nice to hear that you're covered. That's good. Uh, How do you handle client files? And when you're done with a project, who has the project? I give it to them, you know, because that's generally what they're paying for too, is that that information in those sessions, those audio files, that's all their property. So I'll say bring a, a hard drive when you're done with the project, and I'll also keep a backup. Uh, I have a, you know a few drives over there, and it'll also be backed up to a cloud. So they'll have it, I'll have it, and it'll be in my Backblaze. It'll be in your what? My Backblaze account. That's like a Carbonite thing. It's one oh, of the uh, clouds. Oh, no, no. I just was making sure I heard you right. I do Backblaze as well. That's that's good to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, so, they're actually located uh, probably an hour from maybe an hour and a half from me. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah, they're great. I mean, it's just my stuff. I leave my computer on for a couple hours after I finish my session. And, you know, by the time I'm done with dinner, it's it's backed up. Good peace of mind there. So these are interesting, mm-hmm. you know, items that I think that a lot of people really overlook, like backing up oh, the for client's sure. files, making sure that you have liability insurance if you um if you're well no matter where you are in some cases if you have a, a commercial lease you have to have liability insurance because the landlord doesn't want to get sued right yeah so yeah you know, have you had a mentor other than i know that uh donnie from the verb pipe was was a probably a songwriting mentor to you if i'm correct but what about audio Where's your mentor there? Glenn Brown, who lives in Lansing. When I first got a Pro Tools rig, Donnie and myself and Glenn were working on this project together, and Glenn was engineering and also like helping write the songs. And so I kind of got my Pro Tools knowledge from him. And you know, his his studio is like a museum. It's like, hey, check out this microphone. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Then he'll show me a picture of Bob Dylan singing into the same mic. I'm like, hey, it's the same mic. And he's like, no, that's the actual mic. I got it from Capitol or whatever. And I'm like, oh, shit, (laughs) that's really cool. You know, so he really 
brought the nerd out in me as far as like the the gear and the tape machines and and you know he had this he had the Neve console from Muscle Shoals and sitting in on a couple of sessions watching the way he dealt with people was very eye opening too because he's just such a nice laid back guy and you know he was nice and but people respected him as well I'm like okay that's that's the way to do it you know it's just like be the you know treat people with respect you know it's their song it's 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 their baby you know just remember you're you've done the same thing so you know treat them that way and uh you know obviously I learned a lot of that first experience with Brendan that wasn't all you know the first record I ever made was on one inch eight track tape so that really I just loved that process and then you know you read the Beatles books and you know you re- that's that's the way they made the record. So the first record I ever made was that way. So yeah, I I have owned a couple of uh tape machines along the way. I had an 8-track Otari and then a 16-track Tascam. So I have kind of lived in this hybrid world for a long time. But as far as like I, I'm kind of on my own a little bit. My now my good friend Donnie, he he has a Pro Tools setup too, and there's a, a we have a great friend Ryan Wirt who's an engineer in Lansing too, and we're all just kind of like we talk a lot and be like, hey, you know, I I I've tried this cool trick, and then then you know that that's in the in their ba- back pocket too. So we've kind of just shared information along the way, but most of my education has seriously been just grinding it out and making mistakes on my own music. And, you know, I'll use my music as kind of like the, uh, I'm, I'm my own guinea pig in a way. And I'll try to make my mistakes there and try a few things that, that I would do a little differently and, and might not be, be brave enough to try with a client in the room. So uh, just that, you know, failure is the, is the greatest teacher. And that's really probably been the, where I've gotten the bulk of my education. Which I think is great. I, I think stumbling and really screwing stuff up is is a great way to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> great way to learn. Well, on that note, I think we're about out of time, and I should thank you for taking the time to talk to me. This has been really enjoyable to speak with you, and I, I've enjoyed it quite a bit. Well, thanks, Matt. I have, too. And like I said, uh, when you called me yesterday, I'm a gigantic fan of your podcast, and I really really appreciate what you're doing and and it's it's really a a great thing well thank you man i'll keep doing it and you keep doing your thing and everything will work out at at this point i really can't do anything else so i'm kind of stuck with this i know that's that's what a lot of us say (laughs) at this point i don't know what else to do thanks again man i really appreciate uh, you taking the time to talk with me well thank you man i appreciate it buddy okay well take care and uh enjoy your weekend all right have a good night i'll talk to you soon okay see ya Andy Reid here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Great to have Andy on and uh, unbelievable that we're at 130 episodes and glad to have Andy on for the 130th episode. On to 150, huh? We're not really celebrating. I'm, don't, don't be fooled. I'm just happy that we're at 130. Anyways, yeah, great to be back with you today and uh, great to be caffeinated. I'll try to stick to the caffeine and less late night beer conversations. How about that? All right. Well, let's let's do that. We are out of time, of course, so we have to uh, thank everybody. And of course, who do we always start with when we thank everybody? We always start with Mr. Cliff Truesdell and Mr. Chuck Smith and Mr. Cole Williams. Also want to thank the sponsors, Lawton Audio, Vocal Monitors, Universal Audio, Gearslets.com, and Audio Technica. And I want to thank you for listening. I do appreciate it. Take care. Hey, I know many of you are aware of this, but for those of you that aren't aware, 
working class audio sponsors the forum over at gearspace.com called Audio Life. And quite simply put, it's a place where audio professionals can go to talk with other audio professionals about things other than audio gear, including life hacks, work-life balance, health and hearing loss. You know, if you want to talk with other audio professionals who can identify with what your lifestyle is like and how it relates to things going on in the world outside of audio, this is a great place to go and check out. So head on over to gearspace.com, check out Audio Life. Many of the same topics that we discuss here on the show on Gearspace.com. So check that out. 